Well, hey, friend, happy May, happy Mother's Day week, which I know can bring all the feelings. But before we get after it today, first, I just want to welcome you to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. So if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the honor of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, where we are also big-time fans of the YouVersion Bible app as well as the YouVersion Bible app for kids. And if you don't already know about these incredible free resources, we will have them all linked up. But regardless where you're coming from or what you are facing at this very moment, we are genuinely glad you're here. And we don't wanna waste any more time getting to our conversation today because our guest knows all about the tension that Mother's Day can bring. And yet she's still proclaiming God's goodness on the other side. Lindsay Johnson is a wife and mom and pharmaceutical rep and the founder of a nonprofit called Aspen Arrows. And more on that coming up. But speaking of tension, Lindsay has been there. She's had some wild years and she knows the peace that comes with following Jesus. She battled for four years to get pregnant and she's experienced a surprise pregnancy. She's known the joy of having and raising kids and She's known the heartache of losing her precious baby. She's felt the unconditional love of an amazing mother. And she's had to, she gets to, carry on the legacy of her mama's relentless strength. So from one gal to the next, just a heads up, you should probably grab a Kleenex as you pour your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Lindsay. Well, I am super excited to have an amazing guest here today. So Lindsay, welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Jen. I was laughing. I am such a fangirl of your podcast. I'm serious. I'm serious. I love it. I looked back on my podcast section in my phone. I was like, I know I've listened to a lot of them, but I wonder how many. Oh, yeah. Everyone. I am literally your biggest fan. And uh, to be here... Well, it's not me. It's all the women that come on, well, like you, that are amazing. So I'm a big fan of the podcast and I'm a big fan of yours. And so I'm really grateful. Oh. I feel honored to be here. So thank, thank you for you. having me. This has been a long time coming. You know, some of the behind the scenes is that I have some running lists of like, okay, I, I want to have this woman on. She's just incredible. And I've just learned to trust God's timing because I've wanted to have you on for a while. And I'm so excited that it finally worked out Absolutely. and the timing is right. And so I'm just pretty pumped. But before we kind of dive in, will you just tell us a little bit about you, kind of Of an overarching peek into who you are and what you're all about? Absolutely. So like you said, my name is Lindsay Johnson, and I've been married to my husband, John, for 14 years this fall. So that's Mm -hmm. exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, We have four beautiful babies. Our oldest, her name is Aspen, and she's with Jesus. We're going to talk about her in a little bit. Um, My next, uh, my son, Phoenix, he's six. And my other son, Memphis, is four. And my daughter, Waverly, is two. I love that name. Thank you. It means the quaking of an Aspen tree growth. (gasps) Yeah, yeah. So so they're tied in together. Well, I love Aspen too. All of the names, they're darling. Yeah, names. It's funny because Phoenix, you know, the Greek mythology rises from the ashes. And then of course we love to reference beauty from ashes. We feel like God is so good and faithful. So we gave him that name, Phoenix, kind of again, Mm -hmm. ode to big sister. And then, you know, Waverly, 
has this meaning towards Big Sister and poor Memphis. It's like, we just liked it. Like, we we like no name. reason. We just thought it was cool. So, <laughs> hey, that's fine. Yeah. Those are our babies. And um, for a career, I am a pharmaceutical sales rep and I get the honor to advocate for patients like my sweet mama um, who have battled acute myeloid leukemia or myodysplastic syndrome. So that's just any type of blood cancer. So I get mm-hmm. to work with hematologists and oncologists all over Northern Oklahoma. Now you so. were doing this before your mom was diagnosed, correct? Yes. So I actually was in the same industry, but on the different side, I was in the cardiovascular side. So now I'm on the hematology oncology side. So it's just another example of God's really provision, his kindness. I mean, I could say a lot about that, but you know, it's really cool when you walk through something that's really hard and then you get the opportunity to kind of share your journey with others and advocate for patients. Like I said, like my mom. So Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about my mom and it's really fun. It's it's hard at times, but what a, a gift, you know, to get to share my experience walking through cancer with her, with other people and kind of sharing with them how we found hope. And again, getting to talk about something for a career that helps patients is, is a big time blessing. So, Mm -hmm. and my husband and I have a nonprofit organization called, uh, Aspen Arrows, which, you know, ultimately we just, our goal is to point people to Jesus, but we share our story. Um, we talk about safe sleep and we give monitors away for free. Um, so we'll probably reference that at some point later. We're going to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is just like the brief look yeah. at your life. And then lastly, I'll say we love Life Church. We've been going to Life Church for a long time. And I'm going to just ask, like, how messy is this table Come that on. we're at? Okay. Come so, on. Bring it. Okay. In 2010. So first, let me say this. I don't really have a lot of memories as a child that don't involve Jesus, the Bible, going to church, all the things. I even know that I gave my life to the Lord in 1989, which dates me, but that tells you I was six years old. Okay. <laughs> so I would say that to give you a little context into this story. You know, I'm very blessed to have parents that love me and talked a lot about Jesus. And we grew up kind of um, serving the Lord and mission trips and all the wonderful things. But I did find myself, I want to say around third year of college, mm. maybe fourth year, you know, getting into a little bit of a party lifestyle <laughs> and um, kind of carried that on after. So on my point to this, I'm getting somewhere. Okay. But my brother, he's so faithful and kind. He invited me to Life Church. Okay. Back in 2000, I think mm-hmm. it was 2000, in summer your, 2009. In your wayward years. In my wayward years. And I'm like, Michael, <laughs> no, like, I don't want, I'm not going to church right now. You know, I'm out part. And that's not my vibe. Right. Yeah. And he keeps inviting me. He's like, Hey, we've got this series. It's called at the movies. And if you go to life church, you know about this, but if you don't, it's basically where pastor Craig aligns biblical truth to a movie. Right. And mm-hmm. it's the coolest thing. The entire lobby is transformed. Like yeah. it's so it takes fun. Takes a theme, pulls yeah. it out and kind of builds the message around. Yeah. And you get truth. popcorn and snacks. And so there I yeah. come in, you know, I, I get my full size candy bar and popcorn and I walk in and I'm like, this is the best. So next weekend rolls around and where am I? At the bar with all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have a vivid memory of being at the bar and saying, handing out shots. And being like, you guys have to come to my church <laughs> at Life Church. They have full size candy it's bars. It's on me. It's on right? me. Oh, so humiliating. But you know, hilarious. God's grace, man. No, I love He's it. He's so good. But we started going to Life Church back then and haven't stopped. So that's been about 13 years. We've been lucky enough to be a part of the Midtown campus and the Jinx campus. So we yes. love Life Church. That's where we call home. Yep. And, and we were with you guys at the Jinx campus for a while. That's right. So that's right. So very cool. Super fun. Yeah. And I love stories like that. I know um, I've heard quite a few where someone is new to church and super excited about yeah. what they're hearing in Jesus, but you know, they still have some rough edges. And so it's like, man, this is the best effing church I've ever heard of. <laughs> for the record, we all came to church. 
mind you, all hungover, but we showed up that next you day. You showed up. For the candy bars. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. So you never can underestimate doing things others don't. Like that is legit. So, so knowing you now, and then obviously you're talking about you back then, right. there was some change that happened eventually. Was that oh, when sure. you started coming to church? Yeah. Yeah. So um, like I said, I was raised in church. And so I had that foundation. I just kind of gotten away from that lifestyle and really serving the Lord. I mean, let's call it what it is, right? I, I was living a lifestyle that wasn't honoring the Lord. And thankfully, Life Church and at the movie series brought me kind of back in. It wasn't long after that that my husband and I started serving on the host team at Midtown Campus. And we just got really plugged into a life group. And honestly, the Lord just wrangled our hearts and, and changed oh, I love all that. of it. And so we're just really grateful. We love Life Church. Okay, so obviously you alluded to some really tender parts of your life, and we are so honored that you're willing to share. I know that's hard. It's not easy, and we don't take it for granted even in the slightest. And so if you would just tell us a little bit about your story. For sure. Um, So... Yeah, life is messy, but I'll share one of the hardest times that we've gone through. So um, when my husband and I got married, we were 26 and 29. We were really ready to just start a family. And Mm so we found out really quickly that that was going to be a little more challenging for us. I got a diagnosis from our physician of polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. And he was a fertility doctor. And he actually said that my diagnosis was one of the worst he'd seen. So we kind of knew like, not what I want to hear, not what I want to hear. And we're going to need some help getting pregnant. So we started that process, which is very grueling, multiple surgeries later, multiple, um, our IUI procedure, which is kind of a precursor to IVF, Mm -hmm. um, all failing. And we basically just got to the point where I wish I could tell you that we felt this calling to surrender it to the Lord because we're so spiritual. But the reality Mm. was we had nowhere else to go. And I think that the Lord was just like, Hey, it's time for you to stop and turn it over to me and surrender. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just this willingness on our end, but it was the right thing. And we are in hindsight, we see more of the surrender that actually happened, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, But it was October of 2014. And we just basically put our hands up and we're like, okay, what does life look like without kids? That just must be what's meant for us. And um, we spent a lot of time with a Christian therapist kind of working through building our marriage back up. Because as anyone knows, going through a battle and with infertility is really hard, not only on your marriage, but your Mm -hmm. physical health. And Mm -hmm. so we tried to just get healthier mentally and physically. And in January of 2015, we found out we were expecting, spontaneously expecting our daughter Aspen. Just out of the blue. Out of the blue. We had stopped all fertility medication. We had stopped even timing, you know, intercourse, all the things like that you would do if you were trying to have a baby. We completely stopped. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And it was crazy because if you go through a battle with fertility, mamas out there listening that have faced this will know you take a lot of pregnancy tests Mm -hmm. and they're almost always negative. And it's just a very defeating thing. Well, I'd taken one one morning and I ended up getting a phone call and I had to rush out of the house and I just left it in the counter. And my husband calls me in a few hours and is like, hey, there's a test on the counter. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance to throw it away. I'm sure, you know, just toss it. And he was like, well, it's positive. And this is how you found out? This is how I found Are out. Me? <laughs> I'm literally in Bartisville, Oklahoma, because I, I had rushed off to a family situation I was handling. And I'm like, that can't be right. Like, there's no way. Four years, four years, three surgeries, all this medication. And I have to backpedal because I do want to say this because I do feel like if somebody hears this, that's waiting or in a waiting season, like trust that the Lord is good, even when it doesn't look like he is. Um, I want to say that, but I was at Midtown campus at Life Church during praise and worship. And I was, you know, praising and worshiping. And I felt the Lord say to me, 
that John and I were going to have kids, multiple kids. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to believe him. Right. Mm -hmm. And did you think, or is that just me? Is that just me? Cause I want that. Right. But I remember thinking, what a weird thing. Like we can't even get pregnant. And I feel like the Lord's telling me we're going to have multiple kids. Mm -hmm. Like this is a weird ask to believe this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would doubt it. Right. This was probably two years into our trying to have kids and fast forward. (laughs) Sure enough, to I this was random, pregnant to this I left random it on the countertop. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I immediately go into the CVS, right? And buy 10 other tests, or I don't know, probably five. And I just took them in CVS, which is weird. Yeah. But I was so losing my mind. And were they all positive? All positive. All positive. I was pregnant. And mm-hmm. I just remember being like in tears for probably a week and just thanking God and being like, oh my gosh. Yeah. He has allowed this to happen. And mm-hmm. if you know the a story of Hannah and Samuel in the Bible, like it just felt like that. It felt like God had like restored so much of this like lack of hope and just this uncertainty. And I had no idea what was about to come, but I just knew that the Lord had given me this baby and I was crazy about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody would be like, Oh, you're pregnant. I'd be like, yeah, the Lord gave me this baby. I mean, she's like, Okay, well, I work at Walgreens, so I don't really need to know that. <laughs> I mean, I, if you had ears and you were in my vicinity, I'm like, look what God has done. Like, I was just obnoxious about it because I was so grateful. And I just knew we had prayed and God had answered us. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I share that part of the story because of the waiting side, because of the promise of God that I feel like he fulfilled in our lives. And I just want others to hear that because he's mm-hmm. so faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward, I'm that annoying pregnant person that loves her swollen ankles, right? Mm-hmm. That loves all the, I don't just all so happy it. to be pregnant. So happy to be pregnant. So happy. I'm about to go on maternity leave. I buy 150 baby announcements because I wanted every one of my accounts to know when I was on maternity leave, Hey, this is my baby. So, um, we have beautiful delivery. Aspen is perfectly healthy, born in September. Um, I send out all these baby announcements and we are just living our best lives. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, one month into her life, um, I go to feed her at the middle of the night and she is Mm non-responsive. And, um, you know, I watched, I watched my husband give her CPR, a one month old baby CPR. And, I um, talked to 911. We were like trying to figure out how to help her or what to do. And I remember hearing the sirens from the fire department and the ambulance. And I ran outside to kind of like usher them in to make sure they knew where we were. And I just, as they were coming in the house, I fell to the ground in the grass. And, you know, I feel like the Lord was with me in that moment and gave me this prayer because there's no way real time that I would have had the mental capacity or the ability to think these thoughts without crediting the Holy Spirit. There's just no way, but I just prayed out loud. And I remember Pastor Craig saying this from stage, God, I believe that you can heal her. I believe that you can bring her back. Um, I know that you can, I know that you're capable and then I just paused for a second and I just believe that the Holy Spirit just said through me, but even if you don't, I still believe. Mm. And, you know, I think that was preparing my heart for what was about to come when we were at St. Francis in their family room, which is never a good thing if you're in the family room. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 
physician knelt down on his knees in front of us and just told us that she had passed away and that she had died that night. And later we found out it was from sudden infant death syndrome, but you know, which is every parent's worst nightmare. Right. And I had, I'd heard about it, but like, I kind of, to be completely honest with you, I kind of thought it was associated with potential foul play. Like somebody had done something that maybe wasn't healthy or safe for the baby Mm. and that's caused this. And I, I'm so sorry that that was my perspective or my other perspective about it was that it only had happened like in mag, like people talked about it far off. It didn't actually happen to people. It's a very small Mm -hmm. number, you know, like, like this doesn't actually happen. It's kind of a old timey thing, but no, I mean, it's real. And I'll never forget talking to my OBGYN and asking him some of those questions, like how often does this happen? Like what could have caused this? And he said, Lindsay, I can give you a lot of statistics and I can give you the information. He was like, but when it happens to you, it's a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty wise advice. So I'm just thinking back, you know, to whenever I was pregnant with my daughter. And of course you have the nursery already and done oh, yeah. and you have all their little clothes hanging up and by a month into it, I mean, you're on a really good feeding schedule. Yeah. You're probably on some kind of a sleep wake Yeah. Like you're just, you're doing life. And it's amazing how quickly when you have a baby, like I just remember at a week old feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel like she's been here forever because you just are so immersed in everything about them. And so a month might not sound like a lot to some people, but I mean, it's kind of a lifetime. Like your whole world has changed in that month. Right. And to that point, our entire house, right? Like, so yeah, well, I was in that family room as I referenced earlier and John, his parents and my parents were there. And, and I remember telling my mom, I do not want to see anything, baby. Mm. I just need it. Like, I can't, there's no way I can walk into that house. Mm. So did they come in? And Yeah. And my mom, like, think about it. That was her granddaughter. Ugh. Right. And she goes ahead of us before we get home and she clears out everything. Sorry. She clears out everything and she goes and she takes it all and puts it in her nursery and just closes the door. And I walk in to the house and all I wanted to do was be with her things. Mm. I remember going into our nursery and just sitting there with her stuff because in my mind I thought, I just don't even want to, I just want to pretend like this didn't happen. Like I just, to cope, you know? Oh, sure. But then once you get into your home and you're like, oh my gosh, no, I just want to smell her clothes that she had on. I just want to be close to her, touch the things that she touched. But like what strength from my mom to be able to do that, you know, moms are superheroes. And they put their needs on the back burner for their kids. It was really, I had an incredible mom. And that was one of the many times Mm -hmm. that she just was so strong for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, whew, it was a lot. And it was really, really, really hard. And, you know, I just remember thinking over and over, here we are 
Jesus lovers, as far as I'm concerned. Like we know the Lord, we know his goodness, we've experienced it. He gave us this baby. Mm-hmm. We know that we'll be reunited with her in heaven. And we're hanging on by a thread, Jen. I mean, we are barely hanging on by a thread. I'm sure. And we know the Lord. We know we'll be in heaven. What about people that don't know the Lord and they face stuff like this? I have no hope, yeah. How do they do it? I mean, it was like the day after she had died, I remember meeting with people and we started talking about things that you just don't ever imagine you're going to talk about. Like Mm -mm. your child's funeral. How do you want these things set up? You know, time doesn't stop. I wrote her obituary. I mean, these things you have to do that you just don't ever imagine that you're going to have to do. No, that you shouldn't have to do. Right. And it just was on my heart. Like the Lord was like, you have to tell people about me through this somehow. Mm -hmm. And that's all I could say was like at her service, the most important thing to me is that there's some type of call to Christ and that we tell people because we're not told that we're going to have it easy because we serve the Lord. We're told that we're going to face challenges and obstacles and that because he's with us, we can face these things. Mm-hmm. Not that he won't give us anything we can't handle. That's just not true. It's that right. because he's with us, we can get through things that are hard. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that was just all that I could think about is some way we've got to tell people about the Lord through this because like I said, we were barely hanging on and we knew we'd be reunited. How do people make it mm-hmm. without the Lord? So you had to have a little memorial funeral. service. Yeah, we mm-hmm. did. It was packed. It was at Jinx campus and so many people came and five people raised their hand and gave their life mm-hmm. to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was really healing for us. It was a gift, honestly, that God allowed us to to know that because it's my firm belief that more happened during that service than just those five people. Not that that is a small thing. Five people are spending their life in eternity. I mean, that's as big as it could get, but Mm -hmm. just seeds planted to your point and the things that the Lord was able to speak to the people that maybe wouldn't go to church. They were there and heard about what he's done for us, sending his son to die for us on the cross. I mean, that is why we're here. And there was so much healing in that. And there was so much beauty in that. Mm -hmm. You know, we were really grateful. How were you able to kind of sit in that tension of still having this firm belief that God is good, but experiencing the greatest heartache that I think a person could probably experience on this earth, which is losing a child? Like, how were you able to sit in that? How were you able to reconcile or did did the Holy Spirit just give you that grace to be able to walk through it? I think both. Yeah. I think that um, initially it felt like, the Holy Spirit was so tangible. Mm -hmm. There were times I can remember praying on my knees and on my face, actually. It's like, I felt so humbled. And I don't know if it was the, the acute awareness of how much we're not in control of our life. Um, or just that I knew in my soul that the Lord was doing something here because he'd given us this baby. Right. I already knew. Yeah. I mean, that's how we got pregnant was because of the Lord. So I had to set in that tension of like, God, you gave her to us. Like Mm -hmm. there has to be a bigger plan with this. There has to be pieces that we don't know. You know, I think of the scripture that talks about his ways are higher than our ways. And and we live in a world that's broken. And so there isn't always 
quote unquote purpose to what happens yeah. in this world. But I do believe in Romans 8, 28, that says that he'll use all things. Yes. Not just the hard things, not just the great things, but mm-hmm. all things to the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And right. I firmly believe in that. And I had to hold on to that scripture. I mean, I feel like there were some really uh, wise people that spoke into my life. One of them being my mom. She would remind me that God is not uncomfortable with the way that I feel right now, that he created me. He knows my feelings, that it would be like pretending to go to him and say that I'm okay with what's happening right now when I'm not right. Cause he knows that that's not true. For sure. And so I think that was really healing. Um, I remember leaving the hospital the night that they told us that Aspen wasn't alive and messaging our Christian therapist, Brenda, she's been so amazing for us. And we started seeing her next day. Oh, wow. Processing through, talking to her. I mean, she'd also become such a close family friend Mm -hmm. because we'd done marriage counseling through the battle with infertility. Mm -hmm. God used her so much in our marriage. And then it felt like, I mean, for me to have the wherewithal, the night to message her in the middle of the night to say, hey, we're going to need help through this was, amazing. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like these things that happened are not something I could have done in my own strength. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the Lord just ordered my steps in these places and did things for me that were very kind. Yeah. Do you look back and think, I can't even believe I like had these thoughts or these yes. actions because it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense to to feel humbled that God would choose this to be part of my story. I wrestle with that today sometimes, Jen. Mm-hmm. I could not shake that feeling. I'm talking two days out, three days out. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing here? This must be something mm-hmm. important. And there's been times since then that my faith has wavered. And I've been like, God, like sure. so many people have healthy, beautiful kids. Like, right. why did this have to happen? Right. Yeah. But again, my mom and other wise women speaking in my life telling me, hey, take those questions to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the answer that I kept getting and feeling back is that, you know, you can spend a lot of time on the whys, but the reality is, is that we don't get to know all of that. Oh, I know. And I want to know. And we do, but do we? Because I don't think we could handle it if we knew all the answers to everything, right? You're probably right. Yeah. So it's probably mercy in some way that we don't get to know it. But boy, Mm -hmm. that's a wrestling thing right there for sure. Yeah. Some of those big questions of life of why do we have to live in a broken world? Mm -hmm. Why does God allow, mm-hmm. you know, some of this to happen in his sovereignty. And theologically, we could uncover those answers, but it still is just, like you said, we just don't know. It's a mystery, but we just know that he's good and he's faithful and we have to trust him. And you mentioned it earlier, but having the hope of eternity mm-hmm. and knowing that we truly believe, like this is the core of our faith, believing yeah. that whenever she left this earth, that she has a soul that mm-hmm. went to be with him. And when you think about you having your babies with you, Honestly, if they're not going to be with you, where else would you rather than be in the arms of the Savior? You know, it feels like an honor that my baby is with Jesus right now. To think about that and to really think about heaven, which is where I love to dream about. Like, Mm -hmm. especially after losing my mom this past November, like, I loved watching my mom as a granny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is still so fresh. Six months, five months. Yeah, November, so right around five months. But she was such an amazing granny. And it was like one of the safest places I felt like my kids were if they weren't with me, right? Mm-hmm. And to think that now she's with Aspen. They're together. They're together. 
And like, I don't know how that works. But I don't either. I know from scripture that it's true. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's enough for me, right? And mm. the, the sooner that you can grasp that that's enough, that mm-hmm. knowing that his ways are higher than ours and having the hope and certainty that he has our best interest at heart, you know, it changes the way you operate because... You could spend your whole life wondering what if, and Lord, if you would have done this, and how could that have been if, you know, God, you could have intervened because he could have, but the reality is he didn't. And you have to believe there's a reason because again, that's the foundation of our faith. Like we can encourage ourselves in the Lord and knowing that he does give us the desires of our hearts in so many opportunities and so many times. Um, You can remind yourself of those times that the Lord has done that because, you know, his ways are just higher than ours and we have to believe it and accept that. I was just having a conversation this week with my kids because we had to say no to something they were asking to do. And we were just talking about how we love to say yes to them. And mm-hmm. we try to say yes as often as we can. But oh, whenever man. it is occasionally a no, like we need them to respect that, mm-hmm. you know, without throwing a fit because they don't get their way. And gosh, how often can we be that way with God, right? Like, 100%. Lord, obviously in this situation, I would feel the same way. I would be so devastated Yeah, that my sweet girl just isn't here anymore. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just guess it was that certainty that he gave us this pregnancy. He gave us this baby that there was just this like peace that there had to been something that we just don't get privy to knowing Mm -hmm. that we will know when we're all in heaven and talking about things that we'll get to see the whole picture. Yes. At Uh, some really awesome day. Your faith is so inspiring. Thank you. I mean, even just your perspective. I I do think that's the Holy Spirit that's given you that. 100% agree. Mm -hmm. And the gift of, and this is seven years removed, right? So I can say this differently than I can now than I could earlier. That's a good point. Because just like any relationship, you know, and just like any, and I'll just say it in my relationship with the Lord, there's been times when I felt frustrated that Aspen isn't here, that a piece of our family is missing. But in my most healthy times, when I look at, the loss of her in our lives, in our family, honestly, it's just the most amazing gift. And I know that's weird to say, but the perspective and the lens that it allows us to operate through is so beautiful. I can be at my wit's end and don't get me wrong. My kids wear me out just like anybody else's kids will wear you out. But there's always this gut perspective of like, but they're breathing, they're alive. I get to parent them. I get to parent them. And I don't take that for granted. And I genuinely don't know how someone can operate through that lens without walking through something like we've walked through. Well, I think there's probably a lot of women listening to this right now who might think, yeah, my kid is wearing me out. And so this is a gut check and a perspective check to remind us all that, man, if you are listening to this and you do have a child, that it is such a gift. And even in those hard moments when things are really difficult, it's a privilege that we've been given and to not take it for granted for sure. Yeah. to your point earlier, talking about heaven and eternity mm-hmm. and thinking through the fact that, you know, here in the West and in America, we don't like to think about that we're all going to die 100% yeah. of all people. And so knowing that it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, it could be in 50 years. I think there's some people that I love so dearly that are grieving right now, just as you're grieving right now, just yeah. loved ones that are no longer here. So even though that's so hard and so sad, there is a weird comfort in the fact Mm -hmm. of knowing that like truly if you are a believer just knowing that our hope is so far beyond this world it's in fact this is just a blip on the radar it's a blip 
And it's hard to actually sometimes believe because we're right here in the here and now and it's hard to truly grasp. But what a gift when we can think ahead, right? Because I think that's how the Lord would want us to live is to think in an eternal perspective Mm -hmm. rather than a right now perspective. And that's completely Mm anti-culture, right? The culture says right now, hurry up, do it as quick as you can. And when you have people that you love that are in heaven, um, it, it can borderline be a little morbid to talk about, but like, I cannot wait to get to meet Aspen and be reunited with my mom and even my mm-hmm. Mima. And um, I know they're all hanging out together up there. And I love thinking about that reunion. And I try to live my life in a way that reflects my anxiousness to be reunited with them. Right. Right. Um, because if you're that excited about being in heaven, you want to tell other people. Right. And that's our commission, right? That's why we're here is to mm-hmm. love others and to point them to Jesus. And so having that at the forefront of your mind, mm-hmm as often as possible. I think that's exactly the way the Lord wants us to live. Right. So again, it's a gift of perspective in so many ways. It really is. Okay. So how do you lean into that tension of longing for heaven, but also like I have kiddos here that I get to parent. I have a life here with a purpose. And how do you not like wish that away? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I know some people who have lost kids or loved ones can really struggle with wanting to almost be there with them and wanting this life to be over. Yeah. And so I will say when I returned back to work, thank the Lord for my mom again, she rode with me to do this, but remember those 150 baby announcements Mm -hmm. I sent out? Mm -hmm. I went into about eight to 10 offices a day and I would say, hi, I'm Lindsay. Remember me? I'm back from maternity leave. <gasps> They're like, oh, your baby Aspen is so beautiful. Oh, How's she doing? No. Oh, she died. And you had to say this over and over again. 150 times. It was beyond rough. I mean, some days I would get to two offices. And my mom was like literally a soldier. She just like got in the car with me. and She just went with you? Went with me and rode with me and sat in the car and waited while I went in. And she'd pump me up. When I'd come back, she's like, okay. Let's get five more done today. We can do this. And she's like, you are telling people about Jesus. Like, this is worth it. Mm-hmm. You're a sweet mom. I love her. <laughs> she, she was amazing. I'm sorry. I, whew, but I just, the older I get and the more I reflect on the things that she did in my life, yeah. I'm blown away. Mm-hmm. I'm blown away at her strength because these things, it's not like she's some kind of mentor from far away. Yeah. These things happen to her too. They did. I mean, think of the things that happened to your kids. They feel like they happened to you. Absolutely. I don't care if it's didn't get picked for a basketball team or not invited to a birthday party, something small, or they're sick. You feel sick with them. These things happen to your kids. It happens to you as a mama. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, she loved Jesus and she pointed me to him hard and she was amazing. Um, but she walked with me through that process. And there were days, the reason I bring that story up is because there were days where it just felt like too much, you know, talking about her and passing away that this is our story now. And, you know, there were days where it was just like, I don't want to be alive anymore. And this was your first. So you were supposed to have a, a child yeah. with you. And now you don't. You come home to your husband, which is wonderful. But your arms, literally, my arms felt like I was forgetting something. Because, you mm-hmm. know, when they're like that little, you hold them the All whole the time. time. Yeah. <laughs> and especially in our circumstance, when we've been waiting for four years to have a baby. I don't mm-hmm. know that I set her down for that Were month. you nursing? Yes. Yes. So yeah. that's a whole nother level. Whole nother like thing. You literally have milk and no baby to Oh, Give it that, to you. that um, family room when that doctor told us that she had passed away. I was covered 
in milk from my shoulders to my knees, just your body doesn't know what's happening. And yeah, I mean, that was a whole nother thing. I mean, but all you can do is think that there's got to be a bigger plan, that there has to be more purpose in this. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Levi Lesko. He's a yes. pastor at Fresh Life yes. Church. One of the books he wrote, um, I'm going to reference it when we talk about um, resources, but it's called Through the Eyes of a Lion. And he talks a lot about finding... Jenny's been on our podcast. That's right. That's right. I love her. Um, He talks about finding purpose in your pain. And again, it goes a lot with, you know, God uses all things, you know, to bring good Mm -hmm. for the glory of him, you know? And so... How old was her daughter when she died? Was she five? She was six. Six. Yeah. I remember it was like Christmas Eve or close to it. Yes. Linya you know, you talked about those first few days and like, obviously I had my mom and other people speaking into my life, but reading that book at that time. And there was another one by Angie Smith, um, called I will carry you in Audrey. Yeah. Audrey that in the way that they modeled trusting in the Lord at at the darkest time, just through their book alone ministered, God used that to minister to my heart and gave me strength and helped me feel not alone. And, you know, when you love Jesus and you know that he's got a plan for your life and you face stuff like this, it's beautiful to be able to see how other people who love Jesus walked through that. And it kind of reminds me of the way that you have this podcast set up, right? I mean, hearing people walk through messy stages of their life and also find hope in the Lord, like that's encouraging. Because again, we're not promised a life without mess, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we have that tension, you know? I do think sometimes we need to borrow strength from the people around us, whether it's a really close friend or your mom or mentors or authors that have written these books that you can glean from their experiences. You know, I think of your mom, like Mm -hmm. she has empowered you with the strength that she had because I see it all over you. And I think the people listening today can borrow your strength you know, maybe they are dealing with a similar circumstance or they've lost someone. Maybe it's completely different, but I think that we all know what it's like to grieve. Mm -hmm. And so I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, me too. I have a quote from Levi Lesko that I wanted to share. It's talking about hope and it says, at its most basic level, to have hope is to believe that something good is going to happen, that help is on the way, that it's not over yet. And no matter how dark it seems, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Hope is a confident expectation, a joyful anticipation, an active, dynamic, energizing enthusiasm. Hmm. When you have hope, gale force winds can blow and tsunami waves can smash into the hall of your life, but you are buoyed by the belief that the best is yet to come and brighter days are ahead. Hmm. Our hope is a living hope because Jesus lives forever. Yes. Uh, The living hope. I think that's what we all need to remember because sometimes I think it can feel like archaic to people when it's like, no, this is in the present. This is now. I agree. I agree. Exactly. And I know that in Isaiah, when I think about some of the hardest times that I had and just sitting in that, like, I don't have this. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want this. I'm just heavy. Right. And I think about in Isaiah, it says in chapter 46, I made you and I will carry you and I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Mm. I mean, I remember just repeating that over myself a lot. And my mom would repeat that over me too. I mean, we were kind of, she was so helpful with that, but you have to believe that the Lord is with you. And at some basic level, like that has to be enough. And so, Mm -hmm. and then when it feels like it isn't taking that right back to him. Oh, that's good. And saying, this doesn't feel like enough, God, like I need more. Mm -hmm. And I've yet to ask him to reveal himself or to remind me that he's there and something doesn't happen. That Mm -hmm. reminds me that he is there. Mm -hmm. So, oh man. 
So eventually you had other kids. Yes, this is my favorite part Was of the story. Was that hard? Well, let's just see. Um, three months later, oh, we are pregnant with my son, Phoenix, who was born three days shy of what would have been Aspen's one-year birthday. Oh, wow. So, I mean, the redemptive grace of the Lord is real and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And what, like, we don't deserve that. And he gave us that. Like, mm-hmm. how kind. Mm-hmm. I just remember having to really fight for peace because in our experience, right. you know, a hundred percent of our children have passed away. Mm. So there was a level of challenge in terms of just not living in fear. Yeah. But my gosh. When you were pregnant, whenever he was born, both. You know, I feel fortunate that I didn't have a lot of fear during the pregnancy okay. because I hadn't after. walked through, you know, mind you, I'd never become pregnant. So I didn't live the story of miscarriage or loss, which is gosh, in its own so wild and hard to understand. But, um, so I didn't have a lot of fear during the pregnancy, but once he was born, that was the challenging mm-hmm. time. So you put him down at night or, or maybe he was in your room. I don't know. What did you do? Yes. All the things. Um, we utilized the outlet monitor, which yeah. we'll reference. Um, yeah. but this is kind of the story of the birth of our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but we bought the outlet monitor, which ran about $300. A ankle bracelet. Yeah. Right? It's like a pulse ox meter mm-hmm. that um, wirelessly connects to your um, cell phone and a base station. And it tracks the baby's oxygen and heart rate. Mm-hmm. And at any point, the heart rate levels or oxygen levels become in a dangerous zone. You're alerted. Mm-hmm. And even with that monitor, we had to really rely on the Lord to not feel fearful because I think the enemy wants nothing more than to twist something, a beautiful gift of a new child, right? To twist yeah. that and turn it into this fearful, terrible, nerve wracking situation. Oh, sure. And thankfully we again had a lot of Christian therapists help with Brenda and um, we utilize this monitor. And I remember being about a year into Phoenix's life, maybe a, sh- a little shy and going, how do people survive without this monitor who've walked through something like us? Mm-hmm. And I remember it was New Year's Eve and I'm kind of a visionary in our family. Like yeah. my husband's, I always joke because he's like the no guy, but it's perfect that God brought us together because I'm like, yes to everything. Uh-huh. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and, and so, but you can have the vision and you can yes. probably put legs to it. Yes. He can put legs to it. And he can also tell me when that's crazy. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Cause I will, I get it. Yeah, I get a few of those no's per week too. Um, <laughs> per week. Per week. I love it. And um, so I remember telling him, I'm like, how do people survive? Like I would put Phoenix in this till he's in kindergarten if it was possible. Like, yeah. you know, and I said, we've got to buy these for families who can't afford them because this is expensive with a dual income. Like we, you know, yeah. and you have all these things you have to buy. We need to do something and provide these for people. And I want to say that was New Year's Eve. And I want to say by February, I had like an appointment with a attorney to work on our 501c3 and we were off and running. Mm. How are we going to make this some opportunity to share our story, what we'd walked through, mm-hmm. how, you know, let's teach people about safe sleep just to make sure everything's up yeah. to date and you know what the best ways are to do because that stuff is always changing. Mm-hmm. And then let's buy these monitors for families who can't afford them because God used it so much to bring us peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So um, that's exactly how we started our nonprofit. Wow. Yeah. So whenever Hallie was little, and I guess we used it for Jack too, but we had the angel care Mm -hmm. monitors, that what Mm -hmm. it was. But it was just like this little square that went under their mattress, I think. Yep. I'm trying to remember how it even worked. Yeah. But the problem was, I love the ankle monitors because the problem was as they get bigger, they roll, they slide off. And so there were so many times in the middle of the night where 
beep, 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 um, and we're up. And gosh, it was so stressful. It's funny you bring that up because we set one of those up because we actually were going to use them both. Mm-hmm. Like we're like double, why not? Like let's use them both because we were so anxious. Well, when we were setting that one up, we were getting all these false alarms and that thing was so loud and aggressive yeah. that I was like, <laughs> get that out of my house. And no shade because it might work no. really well for some people. So I mean, no shade it, on that monitor. There were just those times that right. they would right. know, kind of roll off into a corner and you're like, oh my gosh. So. And I felt like we were just not in a place to have false alarms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and also the outlet monitor didn't come out until 15. So yeah. it was a really new device, yes. um, right? Yeah, even, that was definitely before both of my kids. Yeah. And so anyway, we were thankful that that monitor was available because it was such a different experience than mm-hmm. the other mat type things because those seemed a little more... What year was Aspen born? 15. Okay. Yep. Um, Aspen's birthday is on the 25th of September and Phoenix mm-hmm. is on the 22nd of September. Okay. Yeah. Which is really special because it's actually my mom's birthday too. What? So Phoenix was born on my mom's birthday. That's really cool. And she was praying for that. So I'm in no doubt that that happened the way she wanted it. Okay. So. I know obviously you've talked about it throughout, but you yeah. lost your mom. I did. Just this past November. It's still really fresh, really recent. Yeah. What happened there? So my mom was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and she found out actually on a Friday. And the same week on that Tuesday, I found out I was expecting our most recent baby, which ended up being, um, our daughter Waverly. Yeah. A little girl. So, you know, and my mom was a fighter and she believed that the Lord was going to heal her until the last minute. Mm -hmm. And, um, he didn't, or um, he did just not. that's exactly the way I should have said that he no, I just, he healed her in a way that we didn't expect mm-hmm. right because I want her here I wanted her to watch Waverly grow up I mean absolutely I, I will say that her quality of life had deteriorated mm-hmm. it was a rough yeah two years two and a half years to um, where heaven is so much better her perspective was so inspiring. I mean, she had her moments like you would expect anyone to battling through that and going through the pain that that type of cancer mm. causes you. I mean, it's I hate cancer. a blood cancer. It's in your bones. I mean, she was in a lot of pain and she would just wear her prayer shawl. She would talk about Jesus every single day. I mean, she would tell the kids about Jesus and just looking at her like deteriorating. And I'm thinking, how is she doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, how is she so faithful? And she'd have Joni table talk or some kind of pastor on TV <laughs> every time I would walk in. She just believed that um, when she got to be with him, she would figure out why this was part of her story. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm thankful that she has that resolution now and she gets to kind of see heaven and be there because she gets to know the secret. She knows the secrets. She does. And, and she gets to be with Aspen, which she, is really special. She talked about that all the time. She was like, I'm going to be with Aspen. I don't want you worrying about me. Like we're going to be fine. Oh. And um, she was so brave and and so strong. I'll tell you a really funny story. So my mom, um, so, okay. I had Memphis and mm-hmm. he was a little premature and had a little trouble breathing. So he went to the NICU mm-hmm. for 10 days. So I was a lunatic mom, like we most, most of us are. Right. And I'm like, I'm not leaving this hospital for 10 days. I did not leave the hospital. Yeah. And people would come up and stay the night with me. John, obviously, if you didn't stay home with Phoenix and then my mom, well, I remember one night cause my mom just would read scripture. She's like, are we a nervous? Let's read scripture. Are mm-hmm. we happy? Let's read scripture. I mean, just mm-hmm. to the Bible we go. Mm-hmm. And I am freaking out that my baby's going to die because I've unfortunately walked through this and he's in the NICU. I've never experienced NICU. And so my mom has this incredible idea to 
read scripture, but where does she turn? Um, Job. She turns to Job. Uh, we start reading Job. <laughs> She's literally reading scripture of Job to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm with you. Like we're reading it. We're believing. And everything continues to fall apart. To and get worse. All yeah. I remember, and I, and I read Job, but I thought she must be going to a certain section I don't recall or something, <laughs> right? And, and she's like, let's talk about suffering a little bit and like yeah. going through Job. And I remember she said, okay. And she closed her Bible. And, and Job just, is long. It is there's, long. A, there's a lot of suffering until like the last three and, chapters. And we just closed the Bible and just looked at each other. I remember we're just kind of blinking and looking at each other like, <laughs> okay, we're just going to, we're just going to let that marinate just <laughs> a little bit. Because we, I don't know where she was going with that, but that is the thing about my mom. She would just point you to scripture because mm-hmm. she didn't have all the answers. None of us yeah. do. And Job did lose a lot. And then he, he was did. restored he did. with a lot. Yes. And you can count on that. The Lord will restore things, whether it's here or in heaven. He does. Mm-hmm. So if you were to give anyone some tips about how to face your grief and actually grieve well, because I know so many people just want to put it on the back burner and not think about it and move on because that feels more comfortable. But I feel like that that extends the grieving process. Yeah. So what would you tell someone? I know it's different for everyone. So right. there's not like a one size fits all. And a lot of the things that I'm learning right now are lessons that I feel like I kind of got a hold of after losing Aspen, but I'm like relearning them in a different way mm-hmm. after losing my mom. But to your point, I think it's more comfortable to put a pin in it, maybe go back to it. And um, something that a quote again from Levi Lesko says, he says, run towards the roar, Yeah. Um, which references again, his book, you'd have to hear more to get all the details from that. But the idea and the concept is that you go towards the thing that feels hard. Mm. And the reason is because when you can face that and work through it, the Lord meets you there. Mm-hmm. And I think that you will find that when you push things to the side or avoid them, they actually will feel even bigger and it's like they grow. But mm-hmm. if you go towards it and you bring it to the light, it's like the Lord allows you to have a different perspective about it. And it's it's almost like by pushing it to the side or hiding it, it becomes a foothold where the enemy can twist it and make it worse and make it scarier and more terrible. And I right. think when you- And no go, one wants that. No, no one wants but. that. You know, but I think when you can go towards it and try to face it head on, um, I think you're going to find that it may be, it's like pulling a bandaid off, right? Like it's going to hurt worse at the beginning, but mm-hmm. you're going to be grateful that that's the route that you took. Um, but my advice, if you're in a grieving space is to grieve with a community. Don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, bring other people in with you, no matter how hard that may feel. And then I have a little advice that is specific for people that may be listening that someone that they love has lost a child or a grandchild or something like that. I just, I want to like encourage people to really be considerate as to how they explain what their thoughts may be as to why that happened. Mm. Because man, all the grace, right? Because everybody that's usually speaking into your life in that moment, they're just trying to help. So no ill will. And they probably didn't mean these things, but But don't say God needs another angel. Right. Please. (laughs) Because there's a few things I don't like about that. One, I don't want you to think we serve a God that's going to take your child tomorrow because he needs it. Yeah. Right. God doesn't need anything. Right. He's got it all. Right. And so I, I would say, just be delicate with that. And then secondly, say the baby's name. Mm don't fear that you're going to potentially remind them of their sadness or their baby because they're thinking about their baby. Mm -hmm. I think about Aspen every single day. We Mm -hmm. talk about her. Even my two-year-old will go, sissy, heaven, and see her picture. 
And now that may be a little more than others because that's the way we've designed our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I just have yet to meet a mama who isn't already thinking about their baby that's not with them. That's good. And so saying the baby's name validates that the baby was there. It validates Mm -hmm. that this actually happened. and She's still a part of your family. Still a part of your family. And so please don't hesitate to do that. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there has been some healing? I mean, I I know probably until we're in heaven, it won't be complete. But now when you talk about Aspen and you tell the story, it's been seven years. Do you feel some healing? Yeah. I think the best way I can describe it is that it doesn't feel easier ever. Like even... I mean, it really just never feels easier for her to not be here even seven years later, but I feel like the Lord has grown my strength and my maturity and my ability to navigate some of those feelings and thoughts. So it's almost like I've gotten stronger Mm. to navigate that hardship, that tragedy, but the tragedy in itself, its size hasn't changed. It just makes me feel like I've gotten bigger around it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's obviously because of the Lord. And it makes me think of James in chapter one, verses two through five. And it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. And so to be very clear, I don't want to come across as like insensitive to trials, especially losing someone you love and grief Mm -hmm. and this type of thing. But if you can think of it as like, God is moving in my life. This is a test and a trial. And if we can somehow find the courage to give this to the Lord, to surrender it to him and allow him to be with you, he will, he will. And he'll turn that into something that you would have never imagined. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be like my hope for people listening is like, to no fault or on my own end. I mean, this is the Lord that has allowed things to happen in my life and has moved and helped me to look at this as an opportunity to point people to him. Mm -hmm. But there's so much healing in that. And there's so much beauty. You know, it's like, again, it gives purpose to these things that happen that we don't want to happen. We Mm -hmm. wish didn't, but because of a broken world, because of his ways being higher than ours, we have to just understand like there's endurance and perseverance that's coming from these trials. Mm Mm-hmm. I just hope that people can feel your joy and your radiance and your strength and know that that's not from you. Like that's from God and that he gives that to anyone who asks anyone who needs it. Yeah, he does. Okay. Earlier you talked about Aspen Arrows, this awesome organization. What else do we need to know about that? And then any other resources other than Levi Lesko's book that has just been super helpful for you? Yeah, for sure. So um, Aspen Arrows, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at aspenarrows.com. I think maybe we can link something, right? We'll totally link it. We'll link it all. And then the website. And obviously we can do any type of donations. If you feel led to donate, that would be incredible, but we covet your prayers. I mean, we're very grassroots. I pretty much do the majority of the shipping and packing all from my house, but we have a little online system. So if you know somebody that's in need of a monitor, they just go online and apply and fill out a few questions. And we do everything we can to meet their needs. We serve women in our community that have experienced some type of loss, whether it be from miscarriage, infant loss, um, infertility, those types of things as a priority. And then additionally, as a priority, we serve women in our direct community within the state of Oklahoma. Um, Not to say that we don't go outside of Oklahoma or outside of women who haven't experienced some type of loss, but those just receive 
be the priority because we just assume that they're likely to have a little more anxiousness Mm -hmm. and the monitor could hopefully provide peace for them. But our goal is just, again, to point them to Jesus, who is our ultimate provider of peace, right? So um, that's kind of about Aspen Arrows. Um, And then in terms of resources, Levi Lesko, his book, um, we mentioned that. And then Angie Smith, her book, I Will Carry You. Those two books were gifted to me by people after I lost Aspen. And man, were those perfect gifts. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really walk you through, again, pointing you to Jesus in one of your darkest times. And they're honest about the way that they're walking through it. They're not Pollyanna trying to pretend like everything's fine because we know Jesus, right? Like, it's like, here's how you wrestle in a good way. Um, As far as other resources... I love the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, yeah. It might sound like a weird thing to reference now, but our mind is so important when we're battling through grief or challenges and struggles. And James Clear does a really good job on telling you how to start and win the battle in your mind. Also, Pastor Craig also has a book called The Power to Change. And I think that these books, I want to mention them not because they're, they're not specific to grief and walking through grief, but they are really helpful in terms of keeping your mind strong and sharp and focusing on the right things that you do have control over because that's the enemy's like playground, right? Yeah. Getting you to think about things that are not in your control, twisting them, making them feel like they're worse than they are. So, and I'm guessing you've had to do that a lot over the years. A lot. And currently battling that now. I mean, in my opinion, it's innate to want to feel like a victim. I think the enemy loves that. He's like, oh, this only happens to you. Could God really love you and care about you to allow these things to happen? Mm -hmm. But you have to fight that with the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's the word of God, obviously. But then also you have to do the work to keep yourself in a healthy place mentally. And a lot of that comes with just basic habits. So those are two resources. As far as a ministry, I just have to uh, mention this because there's likely to be someone that listens that has experienced loss Mm -hmm. in child loss or knows someone, please send them to Bridget's Cradles. Oh yeah, A really great friend of mine, Ashley Opliger, she has a podcast and she and I have partnered together with Aspen Arrows and um, she's just incredible. She will point you to Jesus and she's, uh, I can't say enough positive things about her and what her ministry does, but you can find her. We'll link her website as well, but she's a great person. And then finally, I just want to mention this song by Stephanie Gretzinger that no one cares for me like Jesus. Mm. I found myself listening to that a lot and it just, it really spoke to my heart. And I thought that's something I want people to go listen to that song because, you know, in this world, we're going to face trouble. It's going to be easier to feel like the Lord doesn't care than it is to believe that he does. Yeah. And when you hear songs and lyrics over your life like that, just reminding you, mm-hmm. I think it's a great place to start if yeah. you're struggling. It's amazing how music can speak over us in a way that just simple words can't. hundred percent. Well, the last podcast I listened to of yours had someone, I I can't remember her name. Lydia Um, Laird. Yes. She was amazing. She was amazing. And she said, music changes things. Mm -hmm. Maybe she said praise and worship music changes things. Yeah. Something like that. And I was just blown away because I was like, that's so true. Mm -hmm. You turn on praise and worship when you're having a rough moment and, you know, God meets you there. Mm -hmm. He's so kind like that. Mm. So... Well, I also want to mention, just as a resource, episode 115 um, with Kelsey Cole and Allison Brown. They have a ministry in Colorado called Foreknown Ministries, and I'll link that up as well because we cover some similar topics. They both lost babies on the day they were born. So anyway, just some other great resources. But 
you have just been amazing. I'm just so grateful that you're sharing your strength with us because I know a lot of us just really need some of that borrowed strength and courage. And so as we wrap up, because I don't want to, but we need to, (laughs) um, is there anything else that you haven't said that you just really want everyone to know? Well, I, I think we covered everything, but I do have a Bible verse that has been really helpful to me and a lot of moments of just when you feel tired and like, how do I keep holding on? And it's Hebrews 6, 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Mm. And it just reminds us that we don't have to hold on. The Lord's holding on to us and we can have that hope because it's strong and firm like an anchor. We can trust him because he will always provide and always be there for us. Well, one more time, I just want to honor Aspen and Sharon who are both a huge part of Lindsay's story. And quick side note, as you might already know, we love getting to make this podcast free and ad-free. So I am not telling you this because there's something in it for me. But if you feel led to give something, maybe even sacrifice a few fancy coffees for Aspen Arrows, this incredible nonprofit that ministers to families, especially after loss or in the midst of pain, I'm gonna give you the link. And if you feel led, go for it. If not, no pressure. As always, all the resources mentioned are linked in the conversation notes. You can also subscribe to this podcast for free, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or Stitcher. And if you're interested in sharing this beautiful episode or simply connecting with us on Instagram, you can find us at The Messy Table Podcast. And last, I'm actually going to end today with a quote that I just jotted down from Lindsay, who reminded us of something important. The Lord will restore things, whether it's here or in heaven.